This message was presented at the DYC 2013 conference, Before Man and Angels, in Orlando, Florida. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.dycweb.org. Dear Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to spend another day in your presence. Father, as we realize that when you were the man that sowed the good seeds, not bad seeds, but good seeds. Now, Father, as we travel through this journey and we reach scene number two, may you lead us into all understanding. Dear Heavenly Father, may you speak. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let us go to our parable found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 24, and we will read now from verse 25. Remember scene number one. What was scene number one? For those of you that weren't here, scene number one was when God created. He sowed good seeds. Everything was good. And what do you think is good for God? When God says something is good, what, what do you think it is? It's perfect. Everything in it is meant to strike a chord of happiness in men, in angels, whoever were there. It was good. But now let us see what happens. And as I'm talking to you, let me remind you that I'm not preaching. So if you have a question, raise up your hand, say, Pastor Atara or Pastor Moise, Pastor Mo, I have this question. So feel free to interact with me as we go on through this journey. Scene number one, I will just read and go to scene number two. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed what? In his field. And his field was what? The world's. But while man slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Let me ask you these questions. I know all of you are bright. Who are these men? Who are these men? A brave soul. Who are these men that are sleeping? His workers, who are they? How many of you think they, it is us? How many of you think it is something else? You know, raise your hands. Just Who are these men? Let me remind you, in scene number one, was man already created? When the person sowed good seeds. Who were the people that were around when God created? The angels. As a matter of fact, if you look in that verse, man is plural. It is not singular. It says this man were sleeping. They were asleep. Now in the Bible, when the Bible talks about sleep, 
What does it refer to? Is it dozing off? Is it taking a nap? What is sleep in the Bible? Interact with me here. Hmm? Mental stubbornness? Okay. Death? Okay. What is sleep to you? In the Bible. What is sleep in the Bible? Let us turn and let us read from Scripture. Let us turn to Mark chapter 13. Chapter 13 to 37. Mark chapter 13, verse 36 to 37. And I want to tell you from now that you will be using your Bible, so don't put it away. Can I hear amen for that? Amen. Mark chapter 13, verse 36 to verse 37. Once you're there, say amen. All right. And I read. Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to you all, watch. What I say to you, I say to you all, watch. Sleeping in the Bible is not being watchful. Sleeping in the Bible, when it refers to it, it means this men that were there, they were not being watchful. But what were they to watch for? After all, these were angels because they were the only ones around when God created. These weren't the men, these were the angels. But some angels were sleeping. Do you get what is, understand, what, what is being portrayed here? Some angels were sleeping. They were not being watchful. What were they to watch for? We know that from the first presentation, that what was God's universe based upon? What was it? Love, another word for the love of God is His goodness, His law. The law of God reveals His love for us. It is not that He says, well, let me give you this law because I hate you. He gives you a law because He does not want you to feel hurt. And His law is what the angels were to watch for. After all, heaven was not a place where they were all forced to worship God. All of them there had voluntary service for this God because He was good and He loved them so much. But some angels weren't watching. And when they were not watching, what happens here? Let us go back to our main text in Matthew chapter 13. Verses 25. In this beautiful place called heaven, there are some men and they are sleeping. Now are they sinning when they're sleeping? No. They're just not being watchful. And as they're sleeping, guess who comes? 
Guess who comes once they're sleeping? He says there, but while men slept, his enemy, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Now, who is the his in this verse, verse 25? Who is the his? Who is the his? Do not be afraid now. Tell me who's the his. Who do you think is the his? It is God. Remember, if it was the men, it will say their enemy came and sowed. But here it says his enemy. This is the enemy of the man. Jesus Christ's enemy came. He's not the enemy of the man, but he's the enemy of God. And as he comes, guess what he does? He destroys the field of the man. But now, who is this enemy? Let us turn to Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 14. And if you have your smartphones or tablets, then click to Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 14. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 14. Who is this enemy? And I read here, it says, You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. Who is this enemy? He is the one that is covering the very glory of God. As a matter of fact, there were only two cherubs. Remember, where do we get that? The two cherubs. You get that from the sanctuary, talking about, you know, there were two cherubs there, and Lucifer was one of them. And he covered the glory. He was right next to God himself. But how was he established? Who established him? Did he deserve that position? No, God says, I established you. He didn't deserve to be a covering cherub, but God established him. So here is this cherub. He's walking back and forth. He is perfect. He's beautiful. He's in this world filled with beauty, heaven. But what do you think made him sin? Let us turn to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12. 
It says here, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. You were wicked. You wickened the nations. I read verses 13 now. Verse 13. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of congregations on the farthest side of the north. What caused them to sin? Pride. As a matter of fact, the word Lucifer means in the Latin Vulgate, light bearer. He was supposed to be the one that will bear the light. He was right there. But then he says, I. He says, I. Now, how many of us here struggle with pride? I know I do. And the reason why pride is so easy to struggle with is because pride is just something that we say, well, after all, I deserve the recognition. Do you know that self-pity is pride as well? He says, I should have deserved this, but I didn't get it. So here is Lucifer filling himself with self-pity and pride. He's saying, I should have been like the Most High. I should have ascended to the Most High. I, covering cherub, in perfection there is imperfection. Now let us go to Ezekiel chapter 28 again. And let us see what was found in Lucifer. What caused him to be that way? Chapter 28, verses 15, and I will read to verse 16 as well. Verse 15 and 16. It says, You were perfect in your ways. From the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you, what? You sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. So here, I know you still have your imagination. Imagine with me you are in heaven. And here you are an angel, and when you look up, you see these two covering cherubs over the throne of God. As you see him there, you see Lucifer. And when Lucifer is coming to you, there he is up there, he's coming to you. And what do you think he's trading with you to follow him? Remember, iniquity is found in him. What is his trade to appeal to you? What was he trading? In the Hebrew, it even refers to he was trading words. But what are these words that he was trading with his angels? What is his lie? What's his merchandise that they want to have? 
If everything is perfect there, what do you want more than perfection? What is it that he's trading with them? Somebody tell me. I'm starting to feel like I'm preaching now, but please somebody talk to me. What is Lucifer trading with the heavenly beings? There's silence. You know, there was silence in heaven as well. But there's silence. What was he trading with them? Okay. Okay. He was casting doubts. Okay. Now, if you were a heavenly being and Lucifer came to you and he said, you know what? What's your name? Louise? God is not this way. You are a heavenly being. Will you believe him? If I came to Jared and I said, Jared, you know this man that you saw Taurus here, he doesn't preach well. Just right after you heard him and we were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then I tell you, well, you know, he... he Taurus has not been converted. What will you do? Will, it, will you listen to me? Probably not. So what was his training? It was not that blunt. We think, you know, that maybe it was that way, but what was his training? What was he telling them? That it was so appealing to them that they say, I want to have this. This is what I want. Yes. They're trading that he was trading with them. The word profane. Is that he said, you know what, you're holy. You don't need a law. You can be holy by yourself. Why do you need a law when you're holy? You know how Lucifer makes holy people fall? Do you know how he brings down people like Elijah, David? Moses, you know his lie to them? He says, you're too holy to fall. He does not tell them that you will be sinning. He tells them, you're too holy to fall. Don't worry, Elijah. Look when the fire came down. You were so mighty. You can never fall. Until Jezebel tells him, I want your life. Then he realizes he's a man. David, after all, he just became king and he was taking a walk in his balcony, looking at his kingdom. Then he sees there a lady. He thought he was too holy to fall. And this is what Lucifer is telling them. You're too holy to keep a law. And they wanted that. Those men that were sleeping, that were not watching for the law of God and that it was good, thought that they themselves were good. They said, we want this. And you know, his lie can be put this way. He says, truth is not the most relevant thing. What you think is the most relevant thing is what you know, your knowledge. 
He says, truth is not the most relevant thing. Put it away. What is the most relevant thing in your life is your knowledge of good. But the law is the only thing that is perfect. But there he was trading with his angels. And as he was trading with them, they started buying into his lie that we do not need this law. And that is what is called profanity. What is sin? I ask you again. Remember I told you don't say it's sin is the transgression of the law. But to summarize it, it is the transgression of the law. I wanted you to think about it, but in one word, in one sentence, it is the transgression of the law. And this was Satan's trading ground. And as he was trading with the angels, let us turn to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. Excuse me, chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 7 to 9. As he was trading his merchandise, and as the angels were starting to buy into it, and they wanted it, guess what happened? Verse 7, and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. Who's the dragon? The devil, Lucifer, and the dragon and his angels, those that were sleeping and that were caught off guard. But they did not prevail, nor, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Verse 9, so the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of all called what? The devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. But look at his attitude. You can tell a lot about an argument by the attitude of those that hold those arguments. If you just watch how their, if you just watch their attitude, you can see if this person is true or false most of the time. Look his attitude. Look at his attitude. This should have indicated to the angels what they're dealing with. In verse 12 of chapter 12. Therefore rejoice, O heaven, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having what? A great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Friends, I want to tell you, the devil cannot live forever. He's not immortal. And he knows he has a short time. So he comes with a very, very great wrath. He says, God, you know what? I've been dealing with my merchandise. I have my followers here. If you kick me out of heaven, watch out. I am your enemy. So where does he go to? He goes to earth. And this is where we get the title of our seminar today, which is Lawlessness 
and the beautiful. Here is the most lawless person in the universe at that time, Satan himself, and he goes to earth. And how was earth at that time? It was perfect. Everything in earth was so beautiful. As a matter of fact, it was beyond beautiful because remember when God created, he says, it is not good for man to be alone. Let us make the most beautifulest thing, Eve, for Adam. I want to tell you, woman is not something man could have thought about. <laughs> Only God could have thought of that because he was so intensely concerned with the happiness of man. But then here's the beautiful. And she interacts with lawlessness. Let us go to Genesis. Genesis, the book of beginnings. Genesis chapter 3, verse 4. As everything is good, sin is found in Satan. Verse 4, and guess what Lucifer is trying to trade with Eve? He says, then the serpent, remember in Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 to 9, who was that old serpent? What was his name? Lucifer. Then here you go, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. And key word here, knowing, knowing good and evil. What is the lie that he told to the, to the angels again? All you need is knowledge to be good. He says, yes, there's a truth here that the law of God is good. But let me tell you what is more relevant is for you to know good and evil. Don't you want to be like God? You know, today in this world, we struggle with humanism. You know what humanism is? When we put people over truth. We say, well... What is most relevant right now? What is most relevant right now is that I know good and evil. I want to know all things. I went to high school. I went to college. That is the attitude some people have. I want to experience all things. I know God says these are not good things. And I know that's truth. But I want to experience it. It is relevant for me to get a knowledge of good and evil so I can make a more informed choice. The devil is still trading the same lie. He says truth is not the most relevant thing in your life. Relevancy is. And Eve, isn't it relevant for you to know good and evil? What does Eve say? Oh, the beautiful. What does the beautiful say in verse 5? In verse 6, sorry. 
So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, remember that's her knowledge now, she sees it as good, that's what she thinks. It is good that it was pleasing to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. Knowledge. You don't need a law, all you need is knowledge. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. In her knowledge, the tree was good, so it must be good. You know how we say, well, this food tastes so good, it must be good. I don't care what is in here, it just tastes good, it is good. You know, this is my compass. If it's good, it's good. And here Eve says, this fruit is too good. And let me tell you what, the serpent was one of the most beautifulest of all of God's creation. And here is a serpent. Probably he did not talk like we think the devil talks, you know, with a scary voice. Probably his voice was very soft and he says, you know what? It's very good. You will have wisdom. Do not follow God's law. Follow what you think, and you'll be all right. And she says, well, let me put two and two together. This is good. I ought to be wise. What's wrong? And she ate. And once she ate, guess what? Once she ate, she went to her husband and he ate, and sin entered the world and now there was war I want to tell you I've been through three wars my sister and my father are here they can tell you how war looks like we were in war in Congo uh, Republic in Congo Brazzaville we've seen war we've seen civil wars and coup d'etats and I tell you what, when there's war, you don't stroll around the streets and say, wow, what a beautiful day it is today. You know what, I'm just going to go outside and everything would be just fine. Let me say hi to that person that's shooting. He must be having a bad day. <laughs> or you don't say, oh, he has a boo-boo. Let me go and check him out. No. When there's war, everybody ought to be alert. You don't know when is, when, if tomorrow is promised to you. You don't know if a bullet will pierce your house and you can lose your sister. You don't know tomorrow is not promised. All you have to do is what? Watch. Watch. Romans, Romans chapter 6, verses 20, verse 23. I'll just read the first part. Romans is after Acts. Romans chapter 6. Verse 23. Now read to the comma. 
It says, for the wages of sin is life. It is death. The reason why people are watching when there's war is because you're not sure if you will have life. Death is the drum of war. Whenever you hear it beating, whenever you hear the bombs coming down, you're reminded that death, 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 death. It is horrible. And once sin entered into this world, the drums started playing. One by one, the beat. Eve, you will now die. Adam, you will now die. Abel, you will now die sooner than you think. Cain, you will now die. Noah. And he started playing his drum. It is hopeless. As we're engaged in this great controversy, the drum of death is still playing. This is why the men that were in heaven, why did they fall? Because of one thing. They were not watching. They were sleeping. But now let us read in Romans chapter 6, the next after the comma, verse 23. It says there, but the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Just when Lucifer thought he brought his biggest dagger, God brought his biggest shield. And he says, you know what? Though the wages of sin is death, but God. And that is what we will talk about. Who is this Christ in our next session at 2 o'clock? At 2 p.m. be here and we will talk about this Christ. The great controversy has started on earth. But let us see where it ends. Why don't we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, as we know each one of us here are involved in this controversy, we know it started in heaven, but the battlefield is here. Before men and angels, here we stand, Father. Satan is still selling his merchandise to us. But Lord, teach us what it means to watch. Teach us what it means that you give us eternal life through Jesus Christ. Father, please be with all of those that are here. May you protect them from the evil one. And may you lead us into all truth. In the name of Jesus we pray. 
Amen. So remember what time we will be here? 2 o'clock, 2 p.m. Yes, question. No worries, Louise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. It says here, she's referring to Matthew chapter 13, verses 25, where men were sleeping. And the men were the angels, and they were sleeping. Basically, as we said, remember in Mark chapter 13, that sleeping in the Bible refers to not being watchful. You could see that instance in the story of the ten virgins, for example. Some of them came with oil. All of them actually came with oil. But some decided that, you know what, we need to get more oil. You could, you could link that to getting closer, needing more of Christ. But some said, well, we'll be enough. It, it will be enough. You know, we have enough here. Uh, we're already probably, they could say, we're already in heaven. It's enough to be in heaven. After all, if we're in heaven, everything will be okay. But then the wise virgin went and took oil and came. And when the bridegroom came, they were ready. Why were they ready? Because they were being precautious. They said, we will do whatever we can to make sure that when he comes, we're ready. We will get as close as we can to him so that when he comes, we're ready. Those angels, probably they thought, you know, we're in heaven. We're not sinning. They weren't sinning by not being watchful. But when the time arrived, when the enemy came, they were not ready. You know, sin, the spirit of prophecy tells us we should not try to find its origin because by doing so, we might give it, you know, we might give it a, some sort of a justification because our minds are not, you know, able to comprehend all of that. But sin could be put this way. What is darkness? Absence of light. Sin is the absence of God, to put it simple. The absence of God is sin. And we will talk more about that as we go on with the seminar about the presence of God. But I'll give you a verse to hold on to. Psalms chapter 16, verse 11. In the presence of God is the fullness of joy. At his right hands are pleasures forevermore. The reason why heaven was a happy place was not because everything was beautiful. It was because the presence of God was there. And that is why we go to heaven. We don't go to heaven just to fly, swim with the dolphins, cuddle with the lion, put our heads in his mouth. He doesn't bite us. He laughs. You know, we go to heaven because we want his presence. And if we don't practice that now, we won't be happy there. That's why they were not watching. They were not getting too close to the presence of God. And then darkness happens. Darkness is not something. It is an absence of something. Did that help you? So 2 o'clock, remember, and we will go 
into what it means to have Christ. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, please visit us online at www.gycweb.org.